0: Well, amen. It's nice to be over here tonight on Wednesday. Nice to see all of you. And I'm excited for the message tonight. I'm going to jump right in. If you're, if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message um, tonight, Seeing Clearly. You know, our perspective is so important, amen? And I'm going to be talking about that a lot tonight. But, you know, many of us in here... We can have possibly an idea or a wish or a thought or a picture, so to say, we can come up with of how we want our future to look like. And how many of us know sometimes that it doesn't always go to the perfect plan that we envision, right? Maybe you get there. You have a vision for your future and you get there, but maybe you didn't get there the exact way you thought you were going to get there, right? There's some bumps in the road, whatever it may be. And that's normal because, I mean, we know nothing's perfect, right? We live in a sinful world. Jesus was the only perfect person. We make mistakes. Situations happen. But thank God, he's always with us. Amen? Amen. And, um, but what happens when that does happen? What happens when our dreams, our ideas get flipped upside down? What, how do we react? How do we respond? How do we see things? And, you know, I remember there was a show. I don't know if it's still on. And I saw it. I remember I would see it years ago. And has anybody ever seen the show? was called Undercover Boss. Okay, so we have a lot of fans. All right, I've only seen, I can't say I saw a lot of it. I only saw like an episode or two fully and I would see some clips. But I know in the show, from what I would see, it's it's a pretty interesting show because a boss of that company or whoever they're, they're showing in that episode will secretly go undercover so that they can experience what it's like to be an employee in their company. They wanna go and they could see their company this way a little more clearly. They strive to get a better perspective about their business, whatever it may be. And again, talking about perspective, and we're gonna be talking about this this message is called Seeing Clearly. You know, perspective is very important. And how many of you know we could have completely different perspectives from each other, right? You can go and, this happens, my wife and I, right? We go and see a movie, one of us thinks it was good, the other doesn't. And then there's an argument, right? Trying to explain and we become lawyers and debating our reason. But we could have a completely different perspective, right? This happens to us all of the time, and I think she left for the night so I could talk about this. Um, <laughs> I think she did. She was working. I think she left. But um, she might still be in the office. I don't know, but we'll see. But this happens with us all the time. We go out to eat. Now I love my wife, but let me tell you something. I love my wife and I love food, and I do like going out to eat, but she is tough. Like, I can go out to eat, honestly, the food has to be like rubber for me not to like it, just to be honest. But she, she's not like picky, but she, she's tough. So we're going, and I'm having a good time and stuff, and she'll be like, they didn't put enough salt. And I'm like, okay. And she'll start sometimes getting mad. Like not actually mad, mad, but kind of frustrated. But I'll talk to her sometimes, and I'll be like Bianca, and then she loves to like listen to other people's conversations. So I'll be trying to talk to her, and she's not engaged with me; she's engaged with somebody else. So we end up leaving, and I just I'm like frustrated. I'm like, Did you have a good time? She's like, It's it was okay. I'm like, You were with me; it should have been a good time. But anyway, I'm just kidding. But that does happen a lot. But we have a different perspective on food and stuff, right? We have different perspectives from one another. You know, it's true. Somebody, you can, you can get a, a piece of pizza and this person, this is amazing. This person, no, this is not good. We have different perspectives. And, and that is, you know, that happens and, and all of that. But when it comes to important things, our perspective, how's our perspective when it comes to certain situations in our life? How's our perspective when it comes to people, right? How's our perspective when it, it comes to serious situations? And here's the thing about our perspective, We need to make sure we don't let our emotions drive our perspectives, right? Especially on the important things. We need to let the Word of God drive our perspectives. But how many of us know how easily our emotions can drive our perspectives? I mean, just a basic example, and this is just true, right? If you go food shopping and you're hungry, your perspective on things might be that looks, taste looks like it'll taste better than it might taste, or you're just going to throw it in because you're hungry, Right? Our perspectives can't be driven by our emotions. Because why? If you're angry at a person and you're harboring hate and you're harboring unforgiveness, you will f- some, they'll do something and you will find something wrong with it, even if there's maybe nothing wrong with it. Why? Because in the meantime, you're holding hate. You're holding anger against that person. So you'll pick everything. You'll pinpoint everything that they're doing. And It's so important not to let our emotions determine our perspective. The Word of God, again, needs to determine our perspective. You know, again, one perfect way to talk about this is forgiveness, right? We just talked about this this past weekend. If you let your emotions drive if you should forgive, most of the time you won't be probably following what the Word of God says on forgiveness, right? We just talked about that this weekend. Forgiveness is we forgive because that's what God's Word says, and we've been forgiven greatly. Most of the time you forgive, sometimes, yeah, you might feel like forgiving them. Somebody could come up to you and say, hey, I did this. I asked for your forgiveness. What, in that moment, it's, oh, okay, I'll forgive them. It's easy. But how many of us know that doesn't always happen? Most of the times we can't say we feel like forgiving them, but we're commanded to forgive. Our perspective on forgiveness needs to be based upon what does God's word say, not how do I feel in this moment. As followers of Jesus, we should always be striving to have the perspective of Jesus to think. How would he see people? What decisions would he make if he were standing in your shoes? You know, I just had, a, honestly, a, a, a way to put this into practice this past week. Uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we went away, and we came back, and we got back Monday, and we, were, we, we came back at Newark Airport, and it was like 5 p.m. when we got back, so I, I, don't, I don't know the busy times, but it was busy, and I'm not going to lie. It was just seemed like pure chaos. Like I was going to get my bang and people are going around and it was so loud. And then on top of it, you know, we have our, our, our little little daughter and stuff and she's running around. So I'm trying to keep that and then people. And then I didn't notice I'm starting to get tense and I'm just starting to get mad at people and for no reason. But it's just because it was just that atmosphere. And I actually had to pause and say to myself, like, because I realized to my wife, I'm like, Bianca. I just feel so chaotic right now. I'm seeing this, but I had to stop and go, oh my gosh, like, okay, these people I'm looking at now, and I'm getting angry, but Jesus loves each and every person here, right? He loves, and I had to start seeing that. How would, they, how, would, how would Jesus see them if he was here right now, right? He would see them with love. He would want to go share the gospel. We have to see with the perspective of Jesus, and think about it. Think about how our life would be different if we saw our situations and we saw people the way that Jesus would, In a lot of ways, it goes countercultural, right? It's why, if we do that, it's why we can have peace where there's panic, right? It's why we can love when there's hate. When there's stuff, crazy stuff going on in your life, you can still have peace. If you have the perspective of Jesus is with me, I know he's with me. He said he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. Whatever's going on right now, I can grow from it. I'll come out better through this, whatever it may be. In the book of Acts, which we're going to pretty much be for this whole message, we read about a man named Saul, and and who becomes the Apostle Paul, and I love, love teaching on Paul. And his name was Saul before he became Paul, so that's where I'm going to start. And Saul was a guy that persecuted, beat, and killed people who were followers of Jesus. And earlier in Acts 9, and that's where we're going to be spending a lot of our time tonight, He had a miraculous counter with God that changed the course of his life forever. He was so changed that he became a different person altogether, and to mark that change, his name was changed from Saul to Paul, and he became the Apostle Paul as we know him. He wrote much of the New Testament, and when we get to this part in Paul's story, a lot of the times that's where we could stop in his story until we fast forward to a number of the the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, but I would want to think, think about that though. He had that encounter with Jesus And what I want to do tonight is we have to think about the season right after he chose Jesus. And we're going to be reading about that tonight. The season right after he chose Jesus. Because think about that. He was Saul who was persecuting, killing, arresting Christians for believing in Jesus, proclaiming Jesus. And now he has an encounter with Jesus, gives his life over to Jesus, becomes a new person, becomes Paul. So immediately in that season, what happened? And think about it. It's a crazy role reversal right there. And if you think about it, wouldn't that role reversal in that moment be tough for everybody that was involved? Not only for Paul, who now was li- learning to live with a completely different compass, so to say, a viewpoint on everything, is different for him now, but also for everyone that knew him or knew of him before he changed. They're probably thinking, was, is this, wait, Was Paul for real? Was this really, or is this really Saul trying to trick a bunch of us into further identifying themselves? We know the Apostle Paul became one of the best amazing men of God that there is and wrote so much in the New Testament. Think about in that moment. Now all these people are hearing, hearing, Saul gave his life to Jesus. He's telling people about Jesus now. Think about if we were in their shoes, would there be some doubt? Would we see him differently? Or would we still see him as Saul. Would we be questioning things? What would be going on? And when we really think about it for that second, we can kind of think, I don't know what I would do, you know? When we would hear, Saul, man, this guy was having people persecuted. He was having people killed. And now he's going and telling us that Jesus is real. Is this a trick? Is he trying to get us to identify ourselves to say, yeah, we follow Jesus too so he could arrest us? They could have had a completely different perspective. And immediately after Paul's decision to follow Jesus, he starts telling people about Jesus. He proclaims Jesus. And, you know, think about it. People in those days they didn't have laptops and smartphones and, and all of that stuff. But there were other ways to communicate. And we know that the religious leaders in Damascus and Jerusalem would have kept up with one another through letters. So when the Jerus- Jerusalem Sanhedrin, which was like a ruling body made up of the religious Jewish leaders, saw Saul, who now is Paul, what do you think they would have thought? I bet they honestly were probably dumbstruck at the idea now that he's preaching about Jesus instead of helping them end this religious rebellion as they were looking at it. And it was a huge role reversal. And I want to check out in the Word of God what the Bible records of Paul's first handful of days as a Christian. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 9 and we're going to start in verse 10. So it says in Damascus there was a disciple named Anias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Anias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, "Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying." See, what happened was, Paul ended up going blind. He he lost his sight after he gave his life to Jesus, and now God is doing a work here. And he says, In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Ananias here was understandably reluctant you could say, about God's command, but the message was clear that he must go. He's probably thinking to himself, wait, is this the same Saul, or is there another Saul that we're talking about here? And then it says, and he has come here, God says, with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on, oh no, sorry, Ananias is still saying, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. This is so awesome because we could see that when he was Saul, he was one of the church's greatest opponents, and now he became her greatest advocate. And it says in verse 23 now, it says, After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan, Day and night, they kept close watch on city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. You know, I think we could all say that the Apostle Paul, we could say he was one of the greatest Christians to ever live. And think about it, he traveled all along, brought the gospel to all people. He planted churches. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament, which we still read to this day. We're still reading his letters. He preached to kings, to sailors, to angry mobs, and passionate Christians, and so much more. And, you know, we see the Apostle Paul here, and it's, you know, it's very interesting, because he does have a complete role reversal. He went from seeking out people to persecute to he was, people were trying to kill him right now. But, When we really read his letters and and see him and, and hear him through his letters, Paul's perspective we could see completely changed, right? You could so to say he was seeing clearly now who Jesus was. His perspective was wrong about Jesus before he had that encounter. Now he has the perspective of, no, Jesus is real, and he's telling people about Jesus. But throughout his letters, we could see how he viewed situations. Paul had a great perspective on a lot of things. You know, he wrote. A lot of the epistles, the letters that he wrote from prison, he worshipped while he was locked up. You know, Paul, he writes this, what we're going to read in 2 Timothy. He wrote 2 Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome, which a lot of people believe was shortly before he was martyred. And he writes to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas Demas has deserted me because he loves the thing of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Damasha. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. He says, I sent Titus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Tros. Also bring my books and especially my papers." He goes on to say, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has, said, has done. Be careful for him, for he fought against everything we said. He says, The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the but this is where his perspective is. Think about this. He's reading about all these stuff. These people are deserting him. These people are leaving him. But now what does he say? He says, But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength that I so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. You know, all throughout Paul's ministry, he suffered trials and he suffered persecutions for the sake of Christ. He was stoned, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked and betrayed. There's probably a lot of times he often went without food, without sleep, without shelter. And now during this imprisonment in Rome, he also felt alone now with no other por- person there to support and defend him. It says, Demas left him because he loved the world. Alexander did a great deal of harm, yet through it all the Lord stood with him. Paul was comforted and strengthened by God's powerful presence, and he still had that perspective where he said, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And I love to speak about Paul and his story, and we could see how he's having a perspective change here, right? He didn't believe in Jesus, persecuted people, had this encounter with Jesus, followed Jesus now, and did amazing things for the church, and I love to speak about him, but as I was been studying him in in the years, I believe in his story, there is also an unsung hero that helped Paul become the great man that he later became, and I believe a lot was it was because of his perspective, and his name was Barnabas, and I want to just give a little backstory on Barnabas. See, Barnabas had Jewish parents, And they had named him actually Joseph. His name actually wasn't Barnabas. His name was Joseph's, which you could find in Acts 4.36. But when he became a follower of Jesus after the resurrection, all the Christians called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement or consolation. So let's go to Acts 4.36. It says, For instance, There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. It's so interesting because Barnabas was a name that he got, not from his parents, but because of how he lived. They gave him that name, Barnabas. They nicknamed him as son of encouragement. Well, that tells me that he was encouraging people, right? I'm sure he wasn't miserable. And they said, we're going to call him son of encouragement. No, so we could see he got that name not because that's what his parents named him but because of how he lived. And now let's pick up in verse 27 of chapter 9 which we've been reading in the book of Acts. So we just saw in 26, um, can we get back to verse 26 quick? I just want to read that last, uh, in 926, that last, uh, there we go. It says, when he came to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple. And now in verse 27, It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. See, Barnabas didn't just see Paul for the changed man that he was. He didn't just see him for that, that, but he was willing also to advocate for him. To advocate for him. And what does it mean to be an advocate? An advocate is someone that sticks up for, recommends, or speaks on behalf of another person. And he's doing this for Paul to the other disciples in this, in this um, instance. And you know, my question is this is will we be people that will advocate and also speak on behalf of a whole other generation than us? You know, I see this a lot, I'm not as involved as much as I am. Um, as I was obviously but when I, I do pop over there still uh, on Wednesday in youth and teenagers man let me tell you something it's an interesting age and honestly I thank God that I did it for years and I still get to do it because I'm going to have a daughter one day and she's precious now she's going to be a teenager one day and I don't know I won't, just don't know fully what to expect but I have some ideas because I've you know worked with them but you know, teenagers, that's a tough age, right? And, you know, it can be easy sometimes, to be honest, if you just walk over there and maybe you see what's going on and you go, man, I could never do this. Or, man, kids are crazy. I'm telling you, and I'm not just saying this. When I walk over there, all the things that always pops in my head, because over the years, my perspective has changed, because I got to see them a lot. I walk over and I go, we got a bunch of world changers in here. And their craziness is going to be used for good one day. Right? My perspective is completely different because we have a generation that can change the world. What is our perspective on certain things? How do we see things? Because we hear it a lot, right? Sometimes we hear, oh man, it's generation. No, no, no. You got to speak life into them. Your perspective needs to change and advocate for them. No, this generation, they're going to be world changers. They're going to be able to do things that we could never do, right? And we're going to help them as much as we can. But our perspective sometimes needs to change on situations, and not just with teenagers. That could be with anybody, whatever it may be. What is our perspective? See, Barnabas here, he's advocating for Saul. He's saying, no, this is a real thing here. His life is changed. He was Paul's advocate to some of the disciples that we see here. He vouched for the life change he had seen in Paul's life. And thank God, you know, too, thank God that we have an advocate. Amen? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit serves as Jesus' advocate to us. It says in John 14, 26, But when the Father, Jesus says, sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. See, advocates can help us to further hear And understand the perspective of the person that they are representing. And you know, as followers of Jesus, we represent Jesus to a lost world. Amen? So instead of following our instincts sometimes and acting out of fear or emotions, we need to remember to put on the lenses of the one that we are representing. You know, our choices are a reflection of the one that we worship and serve. And does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. I'm not saying that none of us are perfect. But sometimes we need to really remember that, is our choices do represent the one that we worship and serve, right? We're advocates for Jesus, and and people need, this world needs to see him. And a lot of the times, they don't see Jesus through our words. They see Jesus through our actions, right? They don't see Jesus just through our words, they see Jesus through our actions. So why is it important? Why is it important for us to see our situations how Jesus would and to see people the way that he would? Well, number one is seeing clearly helps us avoid poor choices, what we believe about Jesus shapes everything about us. It should, at least. Right? It should shape everything about us. See, the Jewish leaders at that time, when Paul had this life change, they immediately began to plot an attempt to murder Paul. Now, these Jews were raised with the same religious education as most of the followers, um, At that time, but they came to a different conclusion about Jesus, though. They didn't really see Jesus for who he was. Instead of following what Jesus taught, they instead kept trying to get rid of anyone that taught about him. They wanted to silence anyone that they didn't agree with. They had the wrong perspective. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. They didn't see him as, yes, this is the Messiah who we read, who we've been studying, who we've been waiting for. They didn't see him for who he was. And then their inability to listen and accept the truth of Jesus allowed them to rationalize murdering someone just because they didn't agree with them. See, seeing things clearly is critical in order to make wise choices. And that's why sometimes when you have a really important decision to make, it's important sometimes to take some time to make that decision. Now, there might be times where you're forced and you have to make a split-second decision. But never make a split-second decision just because of your emotions. Because you won't be seeing clearly in that moment. Sometimes you need to say, I'm going to get back to you on that. Or i got to think about this. You need to go home, whatever it is get into a quiet place, open with the word of God says, well, God, what does your, you know, first, God, I'm going to let my emotions settle down. You know, nothing good happens that I've learned, at least in my life, when we are emotional. I have never made a good decision when I was emotional. I have never said a thing to my wife that she felt so great when I was emotional. You know, I'm serious, like, I've noticed that, like, if something's going on, I I just, sometimes I'll just stop talking, and um, I'll say, you know, can we pick this back up, because I know nothing good is going to come from this, and how do you know that? Guys, how many times do we do this, right? We want to say something, we know we shouldn't say it, right? But then what happens? You get that emotion going, right? And no, they need to hear this. (laughs) They need to know about themselves. And what happens? Does any good ever happen from that? No, it just gets worse. And then you feel bad, right? Nothing good happens. So sometimes you need to just sit back. Lord, I'm going to calm down. Now, Father, I'm going to see what your word says about this. If I have a decision to make, I'm going to pray and I'm going to hear you. Because what? If you're emotional too, you might not be able to, to hear God. Because, wow, your, your thoughts are going to be Or you're going to think you hear God, and you're going to be like, God says to crush their head. Well, no, <laughs> he doesn't. That's you. That's you. That's not God. That's you. You know, Pastor Joel, you know what I mean? You might they think, that's, 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 that happens. That happened to me. You know? You get emotional, and you think it's God. And it's like, yeah, it's not God. Does it say that in the word of God? I'm sure it does somewhere. It's like 1,300 pages. It's in there. No, it's not. But you need to settle down sometimes, right? Don't let your emotions dictate what you're going to do and say, Lord, all right, how do I need to handle this situation? What does your word say? Lord, I'm going to pray to you. And then, you know, just to be honest, talking about youth, this is where I, when I first started, I'll be honest, I was not good at it. And I learned so much from it because Sometimes something would happen on the night, because there's a lot that happens in the night, and maybe we'd have a leader, and a leader would do something that they were not supposed to do. Nothing crazy or anything, that just they were not supposed to do. And I would learn, when I dealt with it in that moment, I never dealt with it good, because I was just emotional. I was angry if I was something, and I'd be like, why would you do that? Like, why would you think about doing that? And I remember, I'm like, wait, I can't do, so what I would learn to do was, unless it was something that had to be addressed in that moment, but if most of the time, it was not something that had to be addressed that second I would make a mental note of it, process it throughout the week, pray about it, text them, hey, can you come a little early that next day? Be able to actually sit down with them now, calmly talk about them, and come up with a solution and tell them the truth. If there's truth needed to be told, I'm telling the truth, but I'm telling it in love now because my emotions aren't attached to it. And now I'm seeing them as I want to help them by telling them the truth um, if they need correction, whatever it may be, so it benefits them, not so it feels good for me. Sometimes we have to do that. You have a situation or a person you know you need to talk to. Sometimes, unless you have to talk to them that day, take a day. Pray about it. God, be with me when I speak to them. God, let me go speak to them in love because I'm going to, yeah, I might need to tell them the truth and the truth might hurt, but I'm doing it out of love because I want what's best for them. (laughs) Seeing clearly helps us avoid poor choices. It's critical in in order to make wise choices. See, Jesus, He gives us His clear lenses when we choose to follow Him. Following Jesus helps us to clearly see what direction to walk. But when we stop looking at him, wise decisions can become difficult. For example, the Jewish religious leaders thought they were making the right decision when they wanted Paul dead. Their eyes were not on Jesus, so they made unwise choices. So number one was that. Number two, seeing clearly helps us see the best in people. When we see like how Jesus sees, it helps us see the best in people. When we talk about seeing clearly, I want you to picture putting on Jesus' glasses. I'm not saying he wore glasses, but how he would see people, his lenses. How would the world and others look different if we saw them through Jesus' lens? Mark 6.34, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... He had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The best way to know that you're looking at life from God's viewpoint is to look at the way that you see other people. You know, it's a test, honestly, in our spiritual maturity, we can know a lot about the Bible. We can go to church. We could serve. We could do all of that. But how do we see other people? How do we love other people? You know, I had an instance lately where I totally missed it, if I'm going to be honest with you. And in some ways, thank God, I, I knew I had this person's uh, Facebook so I could message them after. But this was not even long ago. This was like two weeks ago. Um... I was, in a, I was in a rush, you know, when we're in a rush, it's fun, right, and I had to get to work, my wife came into work earlier that day, so I had to get to work, and I had to um, bring my daughter to her grandmother's before I come here, and I was already kind of running late, my daughter was just taking forever to get ready, she's three and a half, so now she wants to pick out her own clothes and stuff, you know, so nothing I'm picking out is good, you know, I'm wearing no, no. Daddy, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, please just put something on. You know. It goes good. And then she literally says, She said, I want to do my nails. I said, You're not doing. That. I said, stop. I said, we gotta go. <laughs> Seriously, nails, it's man, Jesus needs to come back. But <laughs> soon. So we're going and we're in a rush. And then I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I forgot I needed to get something and I had to get it like that day. And I was like, oh, so I was, I was going to go. And I know oh, I heard just go to Walmart to get it. So I went to Walmart. So I said, Everest we got to go because we got to go stop at Walmart. Then I got to bring you to grandma's and I got to get to work. I got a lot I got to do. So we go to Walmart and then I, I you know, Walmart can just be crazy as it is, but now I'm in a rush. So we're going and we're, and we're going through Walmart and I, I have to get one thing, one thing. So I, we're heading straight down. And then I see somebody I haven't seen in a while. And so I was like, okay, I know they're gonna they're gonna stop and they're gonna say hello. That's fine. But I was like, because I'm in a my mind, I'm in a rush. So they stop and say hello. And then this is God, I promise you, I'm normally not like this, but we are all human and we all are not perfect, right? So I said, I said, Oh, how are you doing? And he then he wanted to tell me how he was doing, and I'm like, oh my God, I was just No. I was like, I need to go right now. But so how are you doing? He's, and, he's, and it wasn't anything—it wasn't anything horrible or anything like that. He, he was, you know, he was doing fine. But I could tell. So I said, okay, you know, nice seeing you, nice seeing you. And then I went. I got the one thing. And we're going back to the register. And we're walking back to the car. And I just felt it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it wasn't anything serious. But I was like, I could just tell that he needed prayer in that moment, or to, or to. I just, I could just sense it. No, I think I was driving when I sensed it. And I just started feeling so just bad. And thank God I had his Facebook so I could message him and say, hey, I'm really sorry if I was in a rush. And I really want to pray with you. Can I, can I call you at some point? What's your phone number? And I got to talk to him and pray with him. So I thank God at least I had that. But I'm driving. I'm like, man, I missed it. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, Jesus would have took the time. If I would have seen him out, Jesus would have seen him in that moment. Not as an inconvenience in that moment, but as a person that Jesus loves and that needed prayer in that moment. How we see things when we see clearly the way Jesus would, it helps us see the best in people. And it helps us see people and helps us see situations very differently. You know, how we see people when we put on you know, the lens of Jesus. It, when we do that, we see people for their potential, not for their problems. We see broken people that can heal, that can be healed. We see people's needs, not their inconvenience. And we see broken people that could have the potential for impact when we see people the way Jesus does. Jesus, look at the disciples he called. They weren't perfect. He saw potential, though. Other people, if they saw him, saw the disciples, some of the disciples there for who, for who they were in the natural, what they were doing, those wouldn't have been the 12 that, he would, that they would have chosen. But Jesus saw them differently. And number three, seeing clearly helps the gospel go forward. See, Barnabas' advocacy affected the followers' perspective on Paul. Because we read now, picking up in verse 28, it says, So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea um, and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Samaria, and it became stronger as the, believers believed, as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. In this passage, we learn <clears throat> that the believers not only accepted Paul serving alongside of them, but they actually then saved his life. They flipped the script pretty quickly, and the message then of Jesus spread, and the believers grew in number its numbers and that's what we're all striving for right? We are called to bring the gospel to others, to everybody. You know, our perspective is so important and this story kind of just just popped in my heart. I don't have this in my notes and Pastor Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, cuz I remember you shared I remember you shared this with me at first and it was so impacting. Because you know, we never know what can happen in a given day, right? And, but we need to have the perspective of Jesus and, hey, Lord, use me however you want to use me today, right? Use me however you want to use me, God. If there's somebody you bring across my path, let me speak to them. If there's somebody you want me to text, let me text them. Because there was an evangelist, talking about the story about Billy Graham, so correct me if I'm wrong, street evangelist, right? And he would preach the gospel and he would keep a journal And he would tell people about Jesus, and they found a recording in one of his journals where he wrote that he, in his perspective, this was one of the worst days he had in street evangelism, so to say, because only one person received Christ that day. So in his perspective, he was out there, I don't know how long, however many hours it was, and thinking, you know, oh, this didn't go good today. Only one person responded, and he wrote down the person's name, and the person was Billy Graham. Am I right? And the person was Billy Graham. And if you know about Billy Graham, millions of people got affected. The gospel, grew, the, the gospel believers grew in numbers. So this guy had a perspective of, man, this was a horrible day where he didn't know. Now, if he wasn't obedient to what he was supposed to be doing in that moment, yes, Billy Graham could have ended up hearing the gospel somewhere else from somebody. But in that moment, he was there. He responded, changed his life. And now he went on and spread the gospel. And we know millions of people's lives were changed. Our perspective, So some, sometimes we need to change our perspective. You know, you, you might think a day, a, day goes, a day goes bad or, or something, but it, it doesn't. You might try to plant a seed to somebody, and you might not think they didn't receive it, but you know a perspective of, Lord, I was faithful to plant a seed. And you're going to, I'm going to we'll keep wondering if you want me to but you're going to bring the increase. You know, that, that can happen a lot, right? We could tell somebody about the gospel, and they don't respond, and we'd be like, man, man, because of course we want them to respond, but you got to change your perspective. Lord, I planted a seed, and Lord, that seed's going to grow. And, Lord, they're going to respond to it, right? Our perspective really determines a lot. Our perspective on the day determines how we'll respond to things that day. That's why every morning, one of the things I do is I thank God for his grace. I pray for his grace for that day. Thank him for his mercy. And I will always say, Lord, today is the day that you made, so I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because do I in the natural door? I feel like rejoicing and being glad in every day? No. Right? I don't. I'm just going to be honest. There's more days I'm naturally, I would say, I'm more excited for than others. But to God, every day is just as important because he has something for us. Each and every day, he could have something for us. My perspective, Lord, you've made this day, so I'm going to be glad and I'm going to rejoice. Something might happen, but Lord, I'm going to have the perspective of of you today. I'm going to choose to have joy today. I'm going to choose to have forgiveness today. I'm going to choose to love others. I'm going to choose to be kind to others. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Absolutely not, because I'm also going to have to choose to ask you for forgiveness today, because I'm going to mess up. So but when we take that perspective to start our day, it will change how you react to situations. It will. It will change. If you really truly believe, Lord, I'm going to have joy today because I'm going to see people for how you see them, I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to get angry in that day, but I'm telling you it'll be a little harder for you to get angry than if you go into the day of, oh man, i got to see them again today. Your perspective will determine it. And to, to wrap it up, I, I want to catch something that can be easy to miss when we read the Bible, and you know, sometimes we could lose track of time, because a chapter can tell us, and the Bible could tell us what happened on any given day, yet a page or two later, we could jump ahead in time by decades. And to clarify, when we were reading here, when Saul converted and became Paul in Acts 9, later in that same chapter where we are today, Paul began preaching the gospel of Jesus. There's not a huge time jump there. He changed his life and immediately started telling everyone about it. And that gives me hope. And here's why. It gives me hope because if you're here tonight and you're lost and you don't quite know Jesus yet, this true story assures you that when you encounter him, it will turn your world upside down. It gives me hope because if you are here and you know Jesus, but you aren't really doing anything about it, I hope the story of Paul encourages you to proclaim your faith to others. And if, you're living, if you are living your faith out, I pray that God will bring someone to your mind that you can extend grace to and maybe even be an advocate to them for others. Amen. Why don't we all pray, Uh, stand up. I'm going to pray that we could have the perspective of Jesus in our daily life. But before then, in case there is anybody in here (coughs) tonight that hasn't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that here tonight, just as we see Paul had this encounter with Jesus, gave his life to him, and his whole life changed. And Paul, he then later uh, wrote in one of his letters in the book of Romans, when he talks about being saved, that experience that he had, how does that happen? Well, he says, when you believe in the Lord Jesus with all your heart, and you confess him, you believe that he is God's son, that he went to the cross for your sins, and that he died for you. He says, when you believe that in your heart, and you confess that with your mouth, you are saved salvation has come. It's not based upon your works. It's based about putting your faith in the Lord Jesus and the finished work that he did at the cross and his resurrection. So why don't we all bow our heads and shut our eyes and I want to lead us in that salvation prayer. And we can all pray this together, but know that if you're praying this for the first time, you become a new person. It says God's spirit comes and seals you. God's spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Amen. So let's all pray this together. Father, I believe That Jesus is your son. And I believe that he went to the cross for my sins. And I believe that he died for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a savior. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord Lord. and to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you, you. and I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, name. amen, 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 amen. Amen. In just a, a minute when we're dismissed, I do want to pray for all of us that we would have a perspective shift. But if you pray that prayer for the first time, We leave in just a minute. Please come up here. Tell one of the prayer workers I gave my life to Jesus today. Pray the salvation prayer because we would love to give you a Bible. We want to give you some material. We want to help you because this is not the end of your journey. It's the beginning of your journey. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. And now I just want to pray, Father. I just thank you for this night. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your word, Lord. And I pray that we would have a perspective shift, Lord. That we wouldn't let our emotions determine our perspectives. We would let your word determine our perspectives when it comes to how we see people. how we view situations, Lord God. So I thank you, Lord, if we're in here and we we need that perspective shift, Lord. We will have that perspective shift in Jesus' name. We'll put on his lenses in the morning and see people the way he sees them. See situations the way that he would see situations. And we would be bold, Lord, to tell others about him, Father. To tell others about Jesus. Just as Paul was bold, he had that life changing He said, people need to know my perspective has completely changed. This life isn't about me anymore. This life is about telling others about him, the one who saved me. And I pray we would all have that hunger and we would all have that fire, Father, even seeing that perspective of why we're here, Father, why we're here on this earth. It's, Father, it's to tell others about Jesus, to make disciples, Lord. So I thank you, Father. I thank you for your love for each and every person here, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you would bring people along our path to share the gospel with, Father. And we would see people differently. We would see our, our, our family different, our coworkers differently, our communities differently, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, if you need prayer for anything, come up. And don't forget, next Wednesday, um, Reverend Margie Florent's going to be back. She was here last Wednesday teaching on the Holy Spirit. She's going to continue on that. So make sure you're here next Wednesday. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and we love you.